My granddad was my father figure. He was like a boxer. He was always like, yeah, you should go boxing. And I was like, I always used to say, now nah, I'm too pretty. But when he passed away, yeah, I would like to go down and see what it'd be like. My first day at the gym, he was like, all right, mate, jump in the ring, see what you got. Next minute, whoa, boom. And I was like, okay, so this is what this is all about, is it? Next week, mate. I'm, get, I'm getting back in and we're having it again until I beat you. Been on the, the building phase, I was 12 and 0. You know, everyone's talking about, yeah, you're unbeaten, you're this, you're that. And then as soon as you get beat, Nick, you're done. For, for a little bit, I, I probably believed. And then something within me started growing. I was like, thought, I can't retire. I can't leave this game without being a champ. The ultimate boxer, three fights in one night. I got told about it and my face went like this. Yeah, it's all about you. They've never ever fought you. And then he went D-I-B-R. I was like, go test guys like the champ is here. So when I generally say I'm gonna smash his face in, I generally mean it. This fight, I'm putting everything in it. There's no holding back. Welcome back to the CoachCast podcast. My guest today is a professional heavyweight boxer and the reigning IBO international heavyweight champion. Welcome, Nick Webb. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. The way that I um, like to start podcasts is basically take a trip down memory lane. So if you want to sort of give me a bit of context on what baby Nick was like, what life was like growing up for you? <laughs> baby Nick. Uh, baby Nick was born at about four pounds premature. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, uh, yeah, I was, I was born early. But, um, yeah, I quickly grew. I was always the biggest in my year or the biggest in my, <clears throat> yeah, in my, in my year, basically. I was always big for my age. And from the age of four, I probably, uh, I had the same size feet as my age up until <laughs> I was about 14. So, yeah. Uh, then it stopped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always wondered, like, when you hear premature babies, they, a lot of them tend to go on to be quite big, don't they? Like, uh, another mm. one's like Tyson Fury, I think. He was a really small baby, yeah. but ended up being like a really big guy, I think, um, uh, unless I've heard like the wrong story there. Um, yeah. So, you come from a, a mixed background as well, don't you? So, you've got mm. a Jamaican father and English mother. Am I correct in yeah. saying that? Yes, I sort of grew up. I think I was about sort of, and I must have been about one. And I think my mum sort of left my dad. He was in Nottingham, so yeah, I didn't have a good dad growing up. It was just me and my mum, and uh, yeah. And then she was with a uh, a guy called Wesley, who's um, my brother's sister dad for quite a few number of years. He was he was a nice fella, but um, but yeah, always sort of. I sort of always with my granddad. My granddad was my father figure. And he, um, yeah, he sort of taught me all the, the things that a man should teach a, teach their boy sort of thing. And and he's the one who got you into boxing because he was a bare knuckle fighter, right? Yeah, well, what, what happened really is uh, I always used to sit down and listen to his stories. He always used to tell me about his bar fights. <laughs> now I used to mess with him and he... Uh, yeah, and he was like a boxer and then he got injured and, and things like that. So, and yeah, he has a bare knuckle background, but which he kept quite quiet from us. He didn't really tell us that part, but right. um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I start. I didn't, I heard all that and I was never really into to fighting. I, you know, I, I fought, you know, on, on the street and things like that, but I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to be a boxer sort of thing. I, I like rugby, athletics. And then, um, yeah, and he was always like, 
yeah, you should go boxing. And I was like, oh, I used to say, now I'm too pretty. So I think that, that was my thing. But, <laughs> but when he passed away, I sort of, um, I was about 21. And uh, yeah, you know, I was, I was devastated, obviously. And, um, and then uh, yeah, I think a few of my friends started, started going boxing and, yeah, and I was, you know, I thought about my granddad. I thought, yeah, I would like to go down and, and see what it'd be like. And from then on, I sort of took it straight up. At, at 21? I, I thought it was a lot yeah. earlier than that. That's quite late, isn't it, for uh, boxing? Yeah, it's quite late, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Um, go, going back to uh, the sort of without the father figure role, and obviously your granddad did fill that up, um, I've heard you speak, like, previously about, like, taking the responsibility of, like, the man of the house and, and that sort of... Um, at a, at a young age but it wasn't always that easy because you did suffer like from racism and things like that as well like when you were outside how much like did that impact you when you were growing up yeah so obviously where I'm from is Surrey which you know is a nice nice place yeah. um but it's predominantly a white place so where I grew up was um was predominantly white and then not many you know in my year I remember being in little school it's probably two, three other kids that were, were black or mixed mixed kind of race. So that was it. And uh, in the first school I went to, after nursery, of course, um, I, I suffered from getting bullied because I was black and I used to get surrounded by older, older kids and they would all like punch and kick me and I'd have fights every day. And then I think um, my mum was always like, why don't you tell the teacher? Why don't you tell the teacher? And I'd be like, they don't, they won't, they don't do anything. I told them they don't do anything. So one day she stood back and thought she'd wait and watch the playground. You see all these kids around me and I was fighting them. And she just see the teachers look and then turn turn away and look the other way sort of thing. So after that, she was like, took me out of that school. And yeah, I went, you know, I missed quite a lot of school that year, but then I went to another one and yeah, I got on well there. Obviously I was always like a bit of a, a street fighter kid, but, um, yeah, I got on well, found some good friends and went from there. Do you think that um, because you you were like the biggest kid, you, you also got a target on your back on that sort of side of things as well? Like, let's try to see if we can, like, macho man sort of thing, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's probably a bit of both, a bit of being, you know, black and, and the biggest kid. You know, I think because I was big, I wouldn't back down. Mm-hmm. And uh, my granddad always taught me if someone's, someone hits you, you hit them twice as hard back, so... That's basically yeah. how, I, how I thought and that's what I did. Yeah, uh, like I'm from Newcastle up here and, and there's not many Asian kids around and I, I've spoke like on the podcast previously about going to school and it's not always the easiest when, uh, and I was very proudly Indian as well. So you stick out like a sore thumb, but yeah. again, like yourself, like you get taught not to back down. You need to be proud of where, where you're from. 100%. Um, with, with your dad leaving, it's like, oh, well, your mum and dad splitting up at such a young age, did you ever like were you encouraged to embrace that Jamaican side? Nah, to be honest, I, I knew nothing of it, really. I knew nothing of my my Jamaican side, not where I was from in Jamaica, anything. So literally until this year, I found out where I actually, my roots are from. So I never knew, but, um, you know, I always, <clears throat> because I was growing up around white kids, I didn't, I never really thought about it that much, to be honest. What sparked the change this year? Um, well, basically, short, cut a sh- long story short, uh, I got I had a, a sister got in contact with me that I didn't know about 
basically yeah oh right yeah. okay yeah okay um when when you're kids i think the easiest thing you just want to assimilate don't you you just want to be like everybody else and sort of fit in at a young age yeah um, and as as you said there, you, you were obviously really athletic all the time, big kid in rugby and all these uh, discus, I think you've mentioned before, basketball, yeah. all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fair to say that you were always really athletic. Yeah, I always took to any sport, really. Um, I think because of not having a, a dad around, I didn't get so much into football. Um, <laughs> but uh, everything else, it, I like playing everything. Anything I played, I was good at. Um and yeah, like you said, rugby I, I took to because basically it was an excuse to have a fight and uh, <laughs> not get in trouble. And, uh, and I used to love that. And uh, yeah, and, and I took shot put and discus quite far. And I, t- I, I took it for um, you know, south of England and I competed for England. And then um, I was in the top um, ca- uh, top, top club. Uh, so yeah, I took it quite far and yeah, I enjoyed it when I did it. What what do you think the difference between them sports and boxing? Because obviously now like professional boxing and things. So what do you think was? Do you think if you applied yourself to say rugby that you would have went forward mm. rugby, or do you think there was something just unique about boxing that? Yeah, I think um, circumstances and and things like that make a big big point of it. I think um, when I was a kid, I was doing rugby, athletics, basketball at the same time, and I sort of you know drifted off to to athletics where I had a friend, his name was Roy, and he um, he was a couple of years above me in school. But he said to me, you know, come to my club to throw a discus. And, you know, I, he, and then he sort of, he took me with his family. His mum took me along to, to the club every week. So that was like a way to get there and a way to do it. So like I said, circumstances sort of led me off into doing sort of discus and shop at more. And, the difference, like in sport, like I guess when I was doing discus and discus and shot, but no friends wanted to come watch me do it. Really, I'd be <laughs> doing it and be like, tell them that, yeah, well done, mate, lovely. That'd be the end of it, sort of thing. And <laughs> I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm a, I, I won the English schools the other day. Yeah, yeah, well done, mate. <laughs> but when I um, started boxing at 21, everyone's like, oh, where are you boxing? I'm coming to watch. Everyone wants to watch. And like, it's like it's a different feeling and yeah from then I sort of I sort of loved it yeah hey, so so someone needs to get in hold of their discus organizations and make it cool basically so more kids yeah. <laughs> more kids go watch bo- uh instead yeah. of boxing they'll go watch their discus it is because <laughs> I feel like everybody like especially young men gravitate towards box or like any sort of fighting because it is that especially when you go around that like um puberty age when testosterone mm. like jacked up and all that and you just want to mm. watch fighters i remember like my earliest memories of like rocky movies tyson and and uh ali and things which is um did you ever look at fighters beforehand before you got into boxing was were they ever role models do you did you have any inspirations tell you what i love boxing anyway um like watching it because I, I really like fighting to watch it and stuff and uh but yeah muhammad ali i, I really really gravitated towards him and I watched so many things on him and got all his books and things like that. And do you remember like the fight night games and things mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. I, I was like the best at it at the time. I was like, yeah, I'll beat everyone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, I just watched Muhammad Ali and as an amateur boxer, I imitated him. Like I was 100 and 
47 kilo in my first fight and I was bouncing around thinking I was like Ali. I was like, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's good memories. But um, yeah, I think watching them and watching the greats and what they've been through in their, in their life, you know, Muhammad Ali through racism and, you know, him turning the corner for, for a lot of people of race. He, um, yeah, it was a, was, a, was a big thing in my life. 100%. I think, like, I, I was fairly young when, um, you remember the Will Smith movie, Ali? Yeah, yeah. I was fairly young when that came out. I remember um, we had that on a VCR. <laughs> and, yeah. and I remember watching that over and over again when you had to, like, put your pencil in to rewind it and then put it back in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, yeah. which, was, uh, which was an amazing movie. And obviously, I think at that time, that's when Mike Tyson was obviously really big as well. And then... Uh, there was just so much going on the Rocky movies yeah exactly on your t-shirt yeah. which was just like that I think that era of boxing brought a lot of people in um, especially like my age um, which was just really really like a good time for boxing but what Ali did outside the ring I think made him transcend the sport more more than anybody else did I mean he was mm. iconic for the reasons that you've just said there so but but when you got so what age round did you get into boxing again? 21 21 and then you got into the amateurs and um i'm guessing by that size by that time you're already quite a big lad like you just said um yeah so you just went straight into the heavyweights and did you did you know that you had like power so was it easy just to you didn't really uh, have to box you just relied on like a one punch sort of thing or no i'll tell you how how it sort of went my first day at the gym turned up there was a, a heavyweight there, heavyweight there called James Granger. His brother, Matt Granger, who won all the ABAs and, and things like that back then. And um, and he was good at the time as I went in there. And there was no messing about. There was no like, all right, you just have a session. He was like, all right, mate, jump in the ring, see what you got. And I was like, all right, let's get in there. So I'm, I'm like imitating Ali, thinking hands down. Not no technique, never boxed before. Anyway, I'm just getting bosh, hit with a jab, bang, bang, nose everywhere, bleeding nose. Anyway, I survived the rounds. I do all right. Um, you know, first time being in there. I was like, oh, bleeding nose, all right. And I'm just looking at this guy thinking, one day I'll get you back. Anyway, they put me back in the ring against this guy that was a lot smaller. He was an older guy. Gary McCann was his name. And uh, anyway, he comes in. I'm thinking, oh, right, it's going to be a nice little little move around, thinking, you know, they're just getting me into it anyway. Next minute, whoa, boom. <laughs> Fuck it. He, he nails right into me. Anyway, I fly against the ropes. I'm just, like, guarding, grabbing him, pushing him off, moving away. No techniques. I don't know. I have a clue what I'm doing. But anyway, I survive it. And I was like, okay, so this is what this is all about, is it? And, uh, yeah, and I think this is what makes or breaks kids. You either get in there, get that, and think, this ain't for me, I ain't doing this. Or you get in there, get that, grit your teeth and think, next week, mate, I'm, get, I'm getting back in and we're having it again until I beat you. That, and that's basically what I did. That's exactly what I was going to ask is like, why when you take that beating do you want to go back? Because obviously you do hear stories of boxers getting their asses handed to them on the first day, but yeah. it sounds like that's the thing that, make that gets them addicted to it of just like mm. right i need to come back stronger and, and sort of yeah i think it's, it's that it's that competitiveness in you and uh and the pride in you and you know 
when when you're you know more experienced like I am now and you see the kids come in on their first day mm-hmm. um you know then what it's all about you know it's the coaches just trying to test you you don't know at the time that it's like this is everything this is what it's all about but um I think that is quite important I think to um to know if you're gonna pursue pursue boxing or you're just gonna play it yeah, because well, yeah, exactly. Because I think that's when it like everyone talks about heart, don't they? When it when when you get into mm. boxing rings and you hear commentators mm. say like, "Oh, has he got heart or has he not got heart?" And I think that's obviously yeah. a big indication of that. You had quite like a a, a decorated amateur career as well, um, from what I've read. Like you won like obviously a lot of competitions and things. You got like English finals. Um, what sort of uh, so obviously from that first day of not exactly having the best experience to getting like uh, obviously all these like finals of, of um in the amateur career what sort of how long was that sort of transition how long did it take you to sort of pick everything up and and sort of get like really enthralled in boxing uh so i had my first amateur bout um and we got like i think it was a couple of days or a weeks notice and i've been training at woken boxing club for about three months and uh they was like right you're you're going in to fight and I'm like oh, all right okay I've traveled there with my mate my mate Grant he had a few white collars but um he, he didn't have an amateur yet he was training with me at the same same gym he, he thought oh I'll take you there anyway he's got all his training stuff in the car coaches ring him on the way Grant what are you doing he said yeah I'm coming to watch you go they go nah you're fighting as well so, so, we're, so we're like, all right, so we're both fighting now. So um, anyway, we have our, our amateur debuts. Um, I was watching Gladiator <laughs> the night before, getting myself psyched up. So anyway, quite a few of my mates came to watch, uh, me and Grant. Anyway, but we both went, we both, no, actually, I think he actually lost his first one. But he did really well. And yeah, I won my first one. He went he went uh, all three rounds against a guy that had uh, three or four bouts already. So it's my first one. And uh, like I said, I was dancing around like Muhammad Ali, <laughs> dodging these shots, thinking I was all this, that and the other. After the fight, I was standing in the middle ring going, are you not entertained? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but looking at all my mates and everyone watching and, yeah, after that, I was really addicted and I and I loved it. And I thought, yeah, this is a bit of me. Uh, and yeah, yeah, since then, then I, I went, I think, into under 10s, uh, novice under 10s, and uh, I got to the final. I oh, know, actually, before that, I did the Harringay Cup. I had my second and third fight in Harringay Cup, the third fight being Joe Joyce. And uh, yeah, me and him had a war, basically. And yeah. And then after that, I did the under ten. He won that. He won that war. And then uh, uh, I went into the under tens and got to the finals. That was uh, I felt I got robbed in the finals. I put the guy down. Anyway, did the under twenties. Um, won the under twenties, and then did the ABAs, and uh, I got into the finals of the ABAs. I think I did the ABAs straight after the year the under twenties. I think I fought Joe Joyce in the finals again, lost to him again in the war. And then, uh, uh, and then um, 
yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, then I did There's ABAs. a couple of Eng- English championships in there as well. From, yeah. From, um, you, you boxed in Chicago, I think, in one of them. Oh, yeah, well. that was it. We, we boxed in Chicago. That was cool. That was really cool. Um, boxed this lad. He was 155 kilo. Like, uh, I thought I was heavy. I, <laughs> I weighed, I think at the time, about 100... Must have been 28, 130 kilo, something like that. And yeah, and he was 155. And I was like, wow. This guy's big, and but yeah, I managed just to box him, box him, move, and, and win. But uh, yeah, that was that was really cool. That was a very cool trip. I had a lot of we went to like um, went to Spain, had like a training camp out there, I had great experience at amateur. It, it was a lot of fun, definitely. Uh, amateur is like where you learn your trade and you don't have no pressure, sort of thing. You um, mm-hmm. you just enjoy that time. And you get to travel as well. Obviously, the, the places yeah. you just in there, like Spain, Chicago and things. Like, yeah. when people think of boxing and go into a boxing gym, they don't think of that. Do you know what I mean? They don't think of yeah. like, the opportunities it'll give you to go to Chicago and Spain to box everywhere, to box, like, uh, in finals and, and sort of get, like, the confidence, I imagine, as well, that you get from it. Do you, yeah. you hold yourself in a different different manner than probably otherwise? Like, rugby and, and like, team sports are all good. But when you know that you can go into a ring by yourself and yeah, handle you. yourself, it's it's a different sort of a buzz. On that first fight, when you've got all your friends there, you've you've psyched yourself up watching Gladiator the night before. How uh, how hard is it to manage your energy? Because I imagine the adrenaline would be crazy. And like, is that something that even came into your mind at that point, or was it just was it just like I'm I'm buzzing, I'm gonna win? And are you not entertained at the end? <laughs> yeah, I, like I said to you, I had my first fight, 147 kilo. I was quite, a, you know, fat kid. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I really thought about the energy or how fit I needed to be. I just sort of went in and let's have a go, sort of in that sort of attitude. And yeah, I, I did all right. I think I was, um, my fitness was all right because then I was that heavy. And I lasted, you know, it was three three rounds over two minutes each. So I, I didn't really think about it at that time. I wasn't experienced enough to know how fit you needed to be. Is it more like what you've just said there of like there's no pressure in the amateurs? It was just like, let's have a crack and see see what happens. Yeah, especially at the beginning, it's like that. But obviously the further you get on and then you're in championships, then obviously comes the pressure. Like you, you win one. You're in one round of the, of the ABAs, and in the next round, so you got pressure to keep getting to the next. But, um, but yeah, it was it's a lot more fun. And I was still like a kid. I was still drinking, still having a laugh, and I was going to Ibiza and, and holidays. And but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was just more fun back then. Yeah. Do you, do you think there was more sort of nervousness in your pro debut compared to your amateur? Because when when people turn professional, there is a bit more of that um, expectation, I guess. There's a bit more pressure on it generally. Yeah, being pro is a lot more pressure in, in every fight. Um, you know, being amateur, there's no shame in losing. There's no, you know, it's just it's part of it. Um, you're learning the trade. But in in the, in the pro, you're, um, you're making a name for yourself and, and your reputation is always on the line. And soon, as soon as you... Um, lose a fight you lose all credibility and everyone doubts you and everyone you know says that you're rubbish 
basically. So you can't, it's not like football or rugby. You know, you win one, you lose one, you're still good and respected. But in boxing, as soon as you start losing, I think only if your name is Shizora, you're still respected. And <laughs> he's War Shizora, and it doesn't matter if he loses or wins, he's entertainment. So, but everyone else, I've, I can't think of anyone else that, you know, wins or, and loses. It's, it's, it's a good or a bad thing, you know, it's normally a bad thing. Is because, like, obviously in the amateurs, it's more of a gentleman's sport. Like, you go there, you shake hands before and after the fight, whereas in, obviously, professionals, you still do that, but it becomes more of a business. Like, obviously, with Floyd, the 50 and 0, and, like, the, the keeping that O intact, obviously, was yeah. lucrative for him. So then that's probably more pressure of, like, let's not lose because then we can build this guy's undefeated until he gets to yeah. the level he needs to get to. Well, obviously, because I've been on, you know, I've, I've lost lost two fights now and I've you know I've, I'm quite an experienced pro now um I've been on both sides I've been on the the building phase of I think I was 12 and 0 and uh you know everyone's talking about yeah you're unbeaten you're this you're that blah 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 and then as soon as you get beat am I straight you're shit you're this you're that so it's it's a it's a hard horrible game <laughs> but um you know, it's amazing when you're winning. It's amazing when you're on top. But when you're losing, it's, it's the worst, worst, worst place to be. Is that hard mentally? Because you'll get, you're getting all these, all this adulation, all this sort of extra fame, I, I guess you could call it. And then I don't want to say irrelevancy because that's probably too extreme. But you, you know what I mean? Like that, the, the people who probably were bandwagoners end up disappearing. Is that yeah. hard, hard mentally? Uh, you know, it's obviously, you know, if someone was saying to you, whatever job, whatever job you do, you know, or what podcast, say you're shit at podcast, you're this, you're fucking that, you're ugly, you're this, you're, you know, you, obviously it's hard not to take it to heart sometimes. Obviously you think, uh, you know, it's just people talking rubbish. Mm-hmm. They don't know me. That's how you got to handle it. But it's obviously not nice to hear all the time. And, um, and I think that's where a lot of fighters, you know, that's why it's more of a business now. Instead of, you know, instead of the best fighting the best, it's more like, oh, I avoid this person and I'll go around this person because, you know, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. Um, but really, there shouldn't be any shame in losing. That's where you learn, learn the most you will ever learn. That's where I learned the most. And that's why I come back the way I did. And, uh, 100%. I, I find it like that because like MMA is more built like that as well. Like when you yeah. see UFC, their sort of records aren't as held in like as like high regard as maybe boxing. Like they don't value the O as much as boxing does. You see yeah. some of their best fighters have lost and came back after a couple of fights and they don't really like see it. There's some exceptions. Obviously, Khabib was amazing. He was undefeated. But it's not as like there's not as much pressure whereas in boxing I feel like obviously I think it is with with Floyd I think everything changed sort of after mm. that of like mm. everyone sort of wants that zero a lot more yeah. but for me I, I see it like the, the way that you just said it there is that you need to sometimes you need to have a loss to learn like some of the greatest fighters like Lennox Lewis Mike Tyson Ali no one's ever saying oh well they've lost a couple of times everyone's saying they yeah, were right. absolutely amazing yeah and and they were great because of how they came back yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, Lennox versus Wackman was was um was exactly. that like not many people can come mm. back for, uh, immediately afterwards and win the rematch that they've just lost and 
he did a Anthony Joshua more recently with with yeah, as well. Right. So it's um it is a funny one though because as you said it's, it's more of a business now and sometimes it is actually interesting to see how people react to a loss like we've seen Deontay Wilder after he lost to Tyson Fury and all the excuses came out and and it's it's interesting to see how people conduct themselves afterwards as well mm, um right. hopefully we can I'll, I'll get your thoughts on a few of the big matches uh towards the end of the podcast but sticking to to sort of your timeline of when you turned professional after amateur I think you alluded to it there you had um you got up to 12 and 0 in quite like a quick amount of time I think you had around six or seven fights within the first year um when you're when you turn pro and obviously you need to sort of rack up the record um it, I'm guessing that you can't you basically just can't take any time out of the gym can you like is, is it like the two or three weeks notice sort of thing that you were saying in the amateurs or is it do you just have to constantly be in the gym because if you get that phone call of like right your fourth fight's in two weeks three weeks time and then your fifth fight's in like a month after that do you just have to always be in shape yeah I think when I when I turned pro we um I stayed in, in Brighton I was I was living in camp and uh <clears throat> yeah we trained hard really hard every day three times a day and uh when I first turned over, I turned over with Frank Warren, and uh, it was before he had that the channel, you know, the um, BT Sport. Um, it was just before that, and uh, so we signed a contract with him, and uh, and everything I thought would, was was flying. So we had we had one fight, and then a couple months later ready for the next one we had the next one and then for some reason they they um they stopped putting shows on like we didn't know they was going over to this new channel and, and whatever anyway but they didn't sort of stay to the contract my, my manager Scott ended up putting a, a show on instead and I fought on that show to get me another fight out and uh but yeah anyway they didn't keep to their contract so they basically let us go and you know, I was, I was three fights, three first round knockouts, and uh, yeah, they let us go. And then so we sort of went our own agent and just went on people's shows. And and but that I'm telling you is um, is hard as a fighter if you if you're not like signed by these top guys and and you got a date for their shows, you're just constantly like you said had to be ready in the gym, be ready constantly. You don't get like time to say right here you go you got two months and you're fighting on this show you got three months and you're on this show it was literally my manager calling can we get Nick on this show can we get Nick on this show uh nah 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 and then it'd be like oh we got we got space in the weeks to get Nick on this show we can get him in here so I had to be ready all the time yeah it was a tough tough time um but yeah we got we got we got to 12 and 0 and we was fighting well and and uh, yeah, my career was going up and up. But is that's the point where obviously the Dave Allen fight came in. And mm. uh, I've spoken before about Dave uh, when I've spoken to other boxers of him being like a more of like a cult hero type figure. Do you know what I mean? He had that, um, like boxing Twitter loves Dave Allen. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, he's, he's one of them sort of type, of type of guys. And then you get into that fight, but people who were into boxing considered you the favourite like the actual like um, analysts or uh, and things. Um, and then obviously that didn't really go 
to plan. And as you said, like you bounce back from losses. What was that sort of, how was that fight? What was, what was all of that basically? Right. So I boxed on, I think it was a Coley and uh, Coley and uh, was it? Chamberlain, Coley and Chamberlain's undercard. I think uh, it was like Dylan White, I think, sort of putting it on and things like that. And uh, anyway, I did well. I knocked the guy out. And uh, since this, was, it was like, right, we're going to get you straight back out. I think it was like a month or two later on another matchroom show. So I was like, yes, I've sort of, I'm, I'm there now. I'm sort of like, I'm, promoters are liking me. I'm sort of, I sort of, I'm there to be now to start making money because I hadn't made any money yet and uh, I was ready I was ready to, to start making it basically anyway I went to Germany I was training out there my missus lived there so I, um, I went out there to see her and train out there for a bit I was running slipped over on the snow uh, dislocated my my, um, my shoulder and severed my, my clavicle and my tendons around it Anyway, I was, yeah, I was only, my arm was dislocated and uh, I was like, wow, like, I think it was weakened anyway because of boxing and, and you know, how it goes. But um, that slip over, obviously done it. And then uh, went to hospital there and they was like, um, do you have travel insurance? I was like, yeah, I think so. And they was like, right, that's going to be 18 grand. I was, I was like, what? I was like, you know what? Mom's all right. I was like, <laughs> I was like it might be all right, you know? And, uh, anyway, I had travel insurance, so it, it, it worked out all right. And they um, straight put me in, you know, hospital when I was went under surgery straight that night. And I was in hospital for a week. But obviously going through my mind at the same time, I was like, what have I done? Just I've I've made it sort of thing. I'm, I'm, I was given another date for a matchroom show. I was there, and now I've injured myself. Like I was, I was devastated. Anyway, I was in one of them slings that held your arm up like that, and mm -hmm. uh, I was, you know, I was in. I couldn't sleep any night, and you know, I was, I was, I was devastated. But anyway, cut a long, long story still. I came back, I trained, I trained, I was straight into training that week, basically I was sitting on a bike trying to trying to do something and anyway, I slowly, slowly got it, I did, did all the, all the um, things I had to do to get it stronger and then I, um, yeah, then we started getting calls, when you're ready to fight, when you're ready to fight, when you're ready to fight and uh, obviously I just wanted to fight as quick as I could, thought I was the same, same man and they, um, I was like, they offered us like an easy fight to come back, sort of an easy-ish, you know, get back fight, sort of same sort of level of opponents that I was already fighting. So I was like, all right, wicked. I'm ready for that. I can I can deal with that and, and start fighting again. And then they come and dangled a carrot of fighting Joe Joyce. Okay. And he was like... And they come with, you know, a hundred grand. And I was like, I've made no money, got no money. I'm injured. I'm trying to, you know, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent, but hundred grand. I fight him with no arms. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
So, yeah, I thought, you know what, I'll take the risk. Anyway, we, we said, yeah. Uh, but apparently Joe Joyce hadn't been training. And he, you know, he was obviously, he wasn't stupid enough to say, yeah, without training. So he was like, nah, I ain't, I ain't fighting Nick without training sort of thing. Is that something that you, sorry to interject, yeah. is that something that you yeah. still want to do is to have that sort of amateur redemption of fighting Joe in the, in the pros? Oh yeah, we'd love to fight him. He's, you know, definitely like, like you said, uh, some redemption and, uh, and you know he's, he's he's a great name now, and he's made a great name for himself. So that would be something I'm definitely interested in. But um, but anyway, cut a long story short, that didn't happen. Is two it was two weeks notice. Um, so we was arcade like, in, okay, then go back to the, the the other opponent. But then they was like, no, we want to fight someone better. Then they dangled uh, Dave Allen, and it wasn't for that much money. It was that. Like, no, no, thank you. We were, you know, we, we're coming off an injury. We want to fight someone easier. And uh, anyway, then they dangled more money. So, my, you know, I had a chat. And it was sort of like a business deal. Say, Nick, you know, you can beat him. You know, you, you can do it with one arm if you have to, and you'll be you'll be fine, sort of thing. You know, perhaps you know, hindsight, we um. I guess not overlooked him, but underrated him, I guess. And I thought I could just get in there, sort of box his head off, stay away. But I wasn't the same fighter coming from that injury. So I tried to fight a lot different than I normally was fighting. And you can see in a fight, I'm totally different. I'm like, just pot shot, but, 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 like, instead of, you know, bam, bam, like I normally do. And uh, anyway, I start, he starts, um, I think, you know, he's walking through my shots because I'm not putting anything in them. And then he uh, he catches me and, and, and that was that. And uh, I've never been, I've never been knocked out. I've never been anything, not inspiring, not in a fight. So it was the first time. And uh, I think in the fight, he hit me with the same sort of shots. And I was like, I'll take him all day and nothing. Didn't think anything of it. And obviously he caught me with that next one. And uh, I just remember getting up thinking what the has happened here like and I was like and obviously I was trying to trying to beat the the bell trying to get out my legs weren't working I was like this is the weirdest feeling ever and I was just like frustrated like ah oh. and anyway just lay back down like oh I can't believe what's just happened and uh anyway I get up I'm like what's happened anyway I'm just watching the the replay on on the, on the big screen like in, inside the place I'm like anyway I watch it I'm like whoa what a shot like horrible and yeah and I just wanted to go into hiding I was like get me out of this place went into the hotel room my missus was just like I was just shocked I couldn't believe what just happened like and uh yeah it was it was a hard hard time for me to sort of digest and I, and I, and I still didn't digest it but went on holiday my manager was like, right, come back. You need to come fight straight away. I was like, I'm not really need to. And he's like, no, you've got to do it. Basically, and I fought Dorian Darch, uh, beat him, like, not much not much problems. I knocked him out, I think, in the second. And, uh, and then I was like, oh, like, I wasn't really, wasn't the same still. I wasn't recovered. I didn't really take it in properly yet. Anyway, the, the I was 
I couldn't believe that I've gone from fighting on Matchroom, big arena surrounded by thousands of people on TV, to fighting in a small, small hall show again in Bracknell, beating Dorian Darch, hardly anyone there. I was thinking, oh, what is this rubbish? Anyway, I paid Dorian Darch to fight me because that's what you have to do, basically. So I had right. to pay him to fight me. So I basically gave him money. And then, then I had to pay like, Camille Solowoski, paid him money to fight me because um, obviously wasn't getting offered any fights because I lost because I had to come back. So I sort of had to pay my own way to get back. Yeah. So out of the wins from David Allen, I'm paying money to fight. And uh, anyway, I, I, I go to Camille, say, yeah, want to fight you, pay him money. Anyway, day of the fight, I'm like, I had a thing where I wanted to be really light for the fight. So I basically drained myself. And uh, yeah, I wanted to be light in the scales. I think I was 116, 115 kilos, which is pretty light for me. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I didn't, on the on the same day, I felt you know what, I was sitting in York Hall. I was on my own. My manager and coach Scott Welch, he was he was in uh, Dubai, I think. He was away, and uh, I just thought, you know, what? I don't want to be here. Mm. I don't want to fight. I told him on the phone. I I talked to him on the phone. I was like, I'm not I'm not really feeling this. Like, saying ain't I ain't right. Like, ain't I'm not mentally right. I'm not whatever. And he was like, shut up. Like, he's never seen me like that. He just, but he told me after, he knew then that he, he thought I was going to lose. But looking back, hindsight, I should have maybe just gone, I ain't fighting today, see you later. Yeah. But anyway, I thought, being me, pride, I went in there. I thought, I'll just do my best. I just, you know, I try and take him out or whatever. Anyway, he hits me in the first round, catch me with a shot, pops my ear, drum. Second round, I sort of feel him out. I think, right, just jab, stay away. I think, and then I think I hurt him and he was cut. And I was like, right, I got him, I got him. And then he come in again, caught me with another shot. It felt for some reason on this day, every shot I was getting hit with, I was getting hurt with. And that never normally is with me. Normally I can take a decent shot, but this day, every shot hurt. And, uh, you know when you get your your, your eardrum yeah. popped as well, does your balance goes as well, doesn't it? Yeah, your leg your legs go a little bit already. Yeah, uh, your balance and that. So I had it done before in in an amateur fight, but yeah, not in a pros. And uh, but anyway, yeah, I sort of um, that happens. And yeah, he catches me. Anyway, we all know what happened. I lost, and uh, and that was the sort of telling fight for me, which where actually a realisation of that I've actually lost. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the Dave Allen fight, I actually lost this fight. You know, I've lost against Camille. The, like, it, from then on, it was sort of a real downer, a real thinking how, I, getting told by everybody and anybody that that's it, Nick, you're done. That's it now. Go and get a normal job. Like, you ain't any good. You ain't this, you ain't that. You know, for for a little bit, I, I probably believed it. I was like, yeah, I can't. I just got beat by Camille, a person, you know, a lot of people, you know, decent people get past. And I, and I should have got past him and I didn't. And uh, so, yeah, I was just, I was in a sort of mental state, mental way, just thinking, what am I going to do now? And then something within me sort of started growing. I was like, you know what, Nick, that, 
that wasn't you. I, you know what, Nick? That that ain't you. You ain't. You wasn't right. You need to sort yourself out. You need to come back. So I talked to him. I sat down with my manager, Scott, and he said the same thing to me. He said, "That weren't you. Way way you boxed your first twelve fights. Since then, you ain't boxed the same. Like, Saint was uh, wasn't right. Like you're not. You wasn't the same, Nick. Let's get you sort of back. Let's get you sort of back where you need to be. Anyway." I sort of you know, had a year to try and get fights. I was, was getting, you know, I, was, I kept getting matched to fight, but then I couldn't afford to fight. Like I couldn't pay the opponents. I couldn't sell enough tickets, whatever. And then the Alma Boxer thing came up. So, you know, it's been a year since Camille beat me. Um, I didn't know who was going to be in the tournament, but I got told about it and my face went like this. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. And I had a great feeling straight away. And uh, I'd been training hard all year. I've corrected a lot of lot of mistakes that I had been making. I was going to say, at that point, yeah. are, are you like mentally over? Like, from yeah. obviously that Camille loss sounds yeah. like thing is that you were still holding sort of, I guess, demons from the day valid fight. It's probably the easiest way yeah. to explain it. So by mm. that point, have you sort of thought in your mind as well, like came over mentally? Yeah, that was sort of, the Camille fight sort of made me the realisation of the Dave Allen fight. Sort of mm. both of them together sort of made me realise what I was doing wrong. I wasn't the same fighter. I wasn't doing the, the right things in training. I wasn't doing the right things leading up to the fight. So I sort of, you know, had a hard look at myself. I made a lot of changes and um, thought I can't, I can't retire, I can't leave this game without being a champ, without getting some money out of this game, without, without you know, doing something to, um, to make myself proud of myself, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, when I'm a granddad sitting there, I want to sit there and go, yeah, I was a champ. Yeah, look at your old man. <laughs> That's what I want to be doing. And uh, so, yeah. So anyway, I got the the news about the um the ultimate boxer and I and I smiled about it and I was like, yeah, and and you know, Scott wasn't so sure about it. He didn't, you know, he's like three fights in one night. I was he was like, four, I don't know about that. Like and he took he he told me then he went to talk to Shizora. He had a he went to a a, a do or something and uh he had a chat with Shizora and Shizora said to him, you know, Nick can win that. And uh, and I think I think that sort of gave him some extra behind it. And uh, and then he comes to me and was like, yeah, we've got to do it. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And I was training with John Edwards in Guildford at the time as well. And uh, yeah, had a good, and uh, Mark Morrison, my trainer now, we had, a, we had a good team and we trained hard for it. And uh, We've done all the right things. And then, um, yeah, and then... Uh, then you won. Yeah. <laughs> then you won three fights in one night, which was yeah, uh, yeah. a nice little yeah. turnaround. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and obviously, knowing Camille was was in the tournament, thinking, yeah, I'm going to be able to sort of revenge my loss. I was thinking, yes, like I was excited about that as well. But he didn't... Obviously, he didn't win, but... I guess in my head it was like I beat the man, I beat the man, I beat the man, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in my head it was okay, sort of. 
But um, yeah, that was a great night. That was a great feeling. I was emotional, you know, to come back after losing like I have and then to win three fights on one night. I felt that was a, was a big redemption time for myself. Is that just like a nice way to put that chapter behind you sort of thing and progress forward? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. How obviously like the Ultimate Boxer series does happen like quite frequently with different weights and things. How, for a fighter, how do you prepare for a tournament like that? Because as you say, you don't know who you're going to fight. Like yeah. you could be expecting, like you were saying, Camille to get to the final and then you fight then, but then he doesn't get there, somebody else does. Is it more so like you just have to drill yourself to be like the best version of you going into it because you can't really prepare for any specific fighter? Listen, a way I've sort of learned in this game, it's all about you with any fighter. They've never, ever fought you. Yeah, so you can prepare little bits. You find their weaknesses, if they're southpaw, if they're forward fighter, if they're a back fighter, if they're a counter puncher, things like that. Them little things help and those little things you work on because you sort of know. But end of the day, they've never fought you, so... You have got to be the best you going into that fight. It's not about them, it's about you. And this is why I like boxing so much because someone can listen to that and try like apply that to anything in life. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like that, that's I think that's the thing with most sports to be fair, is that it's yeah. very transferable. And that's specifically what you've just said, is I think for me, like that when I'm thinking of it, I'm just thinking be the best person in general, no matter mm. whether it's like you're a boxer, you're an accountant, you're right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is why I th- I, it's really cool speaking to so many different people because you pick up little gems like that. Yeah. Um, oh, and when when you sort of came off the back of that, COVID happens. So you've won this Ultimate yeah. Boxer tournament, I think was in oh, December, wasn't it? Of 2019? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, 2018. Yeah, 2019. Uh, 19, yeah. And then March, obviously, everything goes into lockdown. Between that ultimate boxer series um and covid i don't think you had another fight in between either so you've won you've sort of got the redemption story you're back on top you you're raring to go you're ready to get into all these fights and then boom the whole uh, world is, is stopped. again like i said uh you know i've had so many setbacks in my career you know even to get into 12 and 0 was was hard it was hard work to get there like uh, i had a lot of you know fights not happen and things, you know, a lot of time in between fights. But, um, yeah, anyway, after I went boxing, I was like, I was smiling. I couldn't stop smiling. I was like, I'm back, I'm back. And, uh, yeah, and then, obviously, we started training again for the new year. And uh, we're thinking, right, we're going to get straight back out, this, that, and the other. Then, boom, COVID hit. And uh, in my head, at the time, I was just like, Fucking hell, like really? The world's gonna gonna dunno, it's just going down. So but let's have a good time. It's like eating loads of shit, it's like <laughs> drinking loads of shit. My miss is just having a good time, chilling. I'm just, I was like, ah, oh, so this was what t- retired life is like. <laughs> and I was just like enjoying time, uh just at home. I, but after sort of two weeks, I was like, I'm bored. And I've and I and I put so much weight on I'm like in two weeks it was unbelievable like I'm talking 20 kilos I couldn't believe it like I was like how have I put all this weight on like fucking hell no, yeah <laughs> and uh I remember and the, the day it changed my missus she's a, a personal trainer since she 
this sort of like challenge she wanted to put out for people. And uh, she was like, oh, can you do it with me? Like, see how hard it is. It was like a burpee sprint, two burpee sprint, three burpee sprint, up to sort of like 10 or 20, I can't, can't remember. And uh, anyway, I was like, yeah, no problem, I'd do it with you. Um, you know, I've only had two weeks off. Anyway, do it, blowing, blowing <laughs> out my ass. And I was like, and my heart was like coming through my chest. And I was like, <laughs> she was like, you're right. And I was like, I was struggling to keep up with her. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that day I was like, you better not ever stop training, boy. <laughs> and I was like, anyway, yeah. For, yeah, for yourself I, as a sorry for, for yourself mm. as a professional didn't you have like um an exemption so that you could still train if you wanted to uh for the first the, them first two weeks no no one could train no one could do right. anything and okay. then after that they 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 said yeah professional athlete can start training again and stuff like that so i, I did start yeah i i i was just thinking oh the world's going down so i thought let's just have fun but <laughs> um but yeah anyway back to reality sort of came and sort of started training again but obviously wasn't getting any fights and then I got silly silly things like with a week's notice and obviously after winning armored boxer I thought why would I take something at a week's notice like I'm, I'm better than that like nah ain't having it so anyway like I said, and did, did like, you learn from like previous mistakes of like Dave Allen sort of fight of like don't always just go for the carrot that's dangling in front of you so yeah of exactly that Exactly that. Don't don't rush a fight and don't um like you said, don't just go for something because you think that's right. That was that was a big learning thing as well. Like you said, um there, there, there's no need, you know, I've got time. You know, I'm not you know, I'm not an old heavyweight, I'm not a young heavyweight, but I'm in the middle. So there's no it's not there's no rush. So I'm not taking a week's notice. Like who would do that? You know what I mean? Who 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 takes weeks notice to fight? So anyway. Nothing was coming along. Nothing was coming along. I got got a silly thing in August, like I told you. I think it was for Fabio, actually, Fabio Wardley. Um, I was like, week's notice, nah, not interested. Unless you want to pay me a lot, a lot of money, then nah, then you got to give me time to train. That's how it goes. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then obviously nothing happened through the whole year. And then obviously I got the, uh, the call in the next year, in January, about maybe fighting uh oh, his name just left me it's one of Dillian White fighters isn't it it's um Eric Pfeiffer Pfeiffer that was it yeah, yeah I just uh, names elude me sometimes <laughs> there's not many boxes to be fair it's hard to keep track of all of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um yeah so Eric Pfeiffer come along had a good feeling again and uh I was like yeah I'm up for that um, when it, like sort of, I've got time to train. As long as I got time to train, I fight anybody, anywhere. It doesn't matter to me. It's as long as I have time to train for that camp, mm-hmm. it's no problem. Um, so anyway, yeah, got the call. Got had time to train. Yeah, was happy about it. And then, uh, then I think the fight got put back because of COVID, and then it moved to Gibraltar. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that was even so more you, better. Did you know that you were going to be fighting Pfeiffer before it even got put back? Yeah. yeah. Right, okay, okay. Because yeah, I, so. I remember like, remember mm. that fight specifically, like being in Gibraltar, and even that move to Gibraltar was quite late on, wasn't it? Because they, were yeah, they right. might be able to get away with um, the O2 or something. And then um, if you 
if you can't tell, I'm a bit of an Eddie Hearn fan, a Matchroom fan, so I try to keep up to date with most of their <laughs> stuff. And and because um, he gives all, all these interviews on like IFL and things, and he was talking yeah. about how that came about. And I, that's one of the questions I was going to ask: is how much notice did he have for that? And yeah. Does, does things like it being in the UK or being in Gibraltar make a difference or is it just the main date that's the, the big one? Um, the date is the big thing for me. Um, and I think um, that it got changed to Gibraltar sort of excited me a little bit more just to sort of fight in a different country. Like um, I hadn't done a lot of travelling in a pro game, always fought in England. So, yeah, I, I was excited for the new challenge. And with fans back after all this yeah, COVID. So. And with fans and actually against a, a top name, a, like amateur, as, as Pfeiffer was. He was a top, top amateur. He was, uh, I think he was, you know, he had a European title as a pro. So I was like, you know what? Game on, I'm, I'm up for this. So yeah, training extremely hard. And uh, I was I was firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I watched that fight um, the, this morning, obviously, like in anticipation for, for this. And uh, it, it was a good, that's why I was saying at the beginning, the David Diamante, I know David Diamante, but when he uh, he announces it at the end, um, new IBO international, yeah. how, how does that feel? That just- uh, I, I was there, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then he went, D-I-B-O. I was like, ah! <laughs> 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 even worse. <laughs> I was like, afterwards, I was cringing when I see it with my tongue hang, hanging out. I was like, uh, but yeah, no, nah, the feeling when he when he said that was uh, was amazing. Yeah, and and the whole trip, to be honest, was was amazing. Uh, being there, we had nice weather. We hadn't been away because of because of COVID, so being away was nice. Uh, the, the the venue and where we were staying was was really cool. Being staying around ex-champions like we had Wiggy Hatton staying there and and uh you know and, and a lot of other people and obviously my my manager staying with him for the whole time Scott Welch who's ex-Commonwealth British champion so it was really sort of everything on this week was all together and had to sort of stay compact and just the the whole build up to it was was a real exciting thing and, and seeing the opponent every day like him going for his lunch and his dinners and you just walk past like <laughs> is it almost like yeah. a, a face-off every day do you know what I mean like <laughs> in, the, in the dinner queue is a face-off mini face-offs all the way throughout the week kind of but I'm quite a nice fella and uh, he's quite a nice fella so until actual game night you know I switch but before that was quite chilled and he was quite chilled so it's just like sort of like a funny yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I imagine I think, that like yeah. so, sorry a lot of that bubble experience in in like matchroom bubbles um when obviously all this covid thing was happening you see like obviously some people who may be a bit more provocative uh, if they're like trying to make their name for themselves sell the fight a bit more um sometimes like obviously you wonder if if that is always playing up for the camera do you get the sense that um in there uh, like if there is a bust up deep can you tell if it's for the cameras or can you tell if it's genuine like and for yourself when you're when you're like uh like trying to build a fight or something mm. can, is is there a switch where it's like right let me say or do something a bit more provocative because it might get a few mm. more eyes on me or is it just like I'm only, I'm only, yeah. someone pisses me off. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are quite, like you said, play up for the camera. Right. But um, me personally, 
you know, camera on or not, I'm, I'm, I'm the same person. So, you know, if I tell you I'm going to smash someone's head in, I genuinely mean <laughs> smash their head in. I'm not saying it for the camera. Like, um, You're looking directly through the cupboard. I'm feeling intimidated right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so basically, yeah, I'm not the kind of person that plays up for a camera, but, yeah, I, I see uh, there is a, quite a few people that do. It is just interesting when you see certain things like going back to Dillian White, when he chucked the bloody table over Chisora, oh, Chisora and uh, chucked it over him. Mm. Like, that's something that you think, like, is this genuine? Do they really absolutely mm. hate each other? Or yeah. has Chisora just got a new Rolex out of it? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I think that was what Adi Hain had to give him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, I think, you know, some characters. But then again, you can say that like, Shizora always has been like that. So mm-hmm. if someone's, you know, suddenly changes, then, you know, you can really tell. But I think someone's always been like it, then you don't know, do you? And, and off the, um, sort of off the back of that, how was, how was that feeling coming home with the title? Like, that's something that you're going to have forever now. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've obviously seen the pictures, like, uh, um, that you did with Gaz, like, shout out to Gaz from Blue Corner Boxing. Um uh, that sort of will be with you forever no matter what happens you've got this title Does is that something that you're like right this is cool or um, is that something that you're like right I want more yeah when I when I first got it I was like wow like you know I've got the, the robe the golden robe <laughs> and I was like I need a belt I've got the belt and as soon as I got that belt like I didn't get it on that night I was going all night I was like Where's the belt? Where's the belt then? Come on, like, give me my belt. But it hadn't, they've ordered it, but it didn't come in time for that night. So oh. they, they had to get it sent to my house. Like, every day I was, like, waiting for the, the, the mailman, like, right, mate, you've got the belt. Like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, as soon as it came, I was like, yeah, carrying it around everywhere with me. And I was excited about it. And then, got the Tesco's like, already belt on. Yeah, yeah, got Tesco. I was like, the champ is here. But, uh, nah. But I had that round. I was like, hmm, I need another one round here or on the other shoulder now. Like, definitely, I, I need more. I want more. I'm going to get more. And that's coming to the fight that has just been announced. Um, yeah. Strap season. Uh, English heavyweight title fight against Fabio Wardley in fight camp. Um, how are you feeling for that? Uh, I, I'm guessing, obviously, you've, you've known about this for a few weeks now by the time we're recording and obviously full training underway and things. Yeah, so... I've known about it for about yeah a week now, um, and same again. I had another good feeling. So, so when I generally say I'm going to smash his face in, I genuinely mean it. So, I can't wait to get my hands on him, and uh, I can't wait to do the business again. I can't wait to shock the world once again. So, these big fights uh, really motivate me. And the fact that I've got enough time to train and be 100% ready. Anyone that has a 100% ready Nick Webb is going to be in some serious, serious trouble. And uh, as a fan, I think one of the one of the greatest things about this is that it's on DAZN for £1.99. Do you know yeah. as, as soon as that was announced, I was like, when the fight camp has been announced and you're paying £1.99 a month to watch all of that, it's, it's, mm. it's amazing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for, for, obviously, uh, fight camp, you'll be fighting in like a, a bit of a different environment. Eddie Hearn's back garden essentially does mm. uh, and obviously you fought in Gibraltar you fought in front of the fans and things does does any of that matter to a fighter or is it as, as soon as you're in there you're in there 
So I thought that, you know, at the O2 and Wembley and, and things like that, soon, like, as you're walking down, you know, if you're clipping out, this place is packed, or when you're walking out. But when you're in that ring, everyone else disappears. It's just you and the other guy. So it really doesn't matter where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like... I think that's what the that's what you would imagine, but sometimes when you see like I don't know, I was watching um one of the old school Mayweather fights the other day and like Sylvester Salome was in the audience. And I always just wonder like if you see like Rocky out the corner of your eye, surely, surely it would put you off a tiny bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just chilling there. It's it's a weird one because as I said, like I'm a boxing fan. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's like uh, I have all these questions that I'm like, I just want to see like an insight of, of into like how you would operate in things and what actually makes a difference and all these things. Yeah. But as you say, you've got plenty of time to prepare for this fight. It's around a month away from when we're recording and um, it, it seems like it's going to be fireworks. Do you relish, I don't want to say underdog because I feel like it's a bit like of a, I don't mean it in a disrespectful way to say underdog, but obviously in the Pfeiffer um, fight, it was it was sort of, you were the quote-unquote B-side, and on this fight, you quote-unquote again B-side. Um, does does that sort of give that sort of less pressure and expectation on you, or does, does that make a difference in any way? Uh, to be honest, there isn't really less pressure because, you know, every, every fight potentially could be my last, you know. I've mm-hmm. got two losses. I can't really afford to keep have another loss. It's it's. it's it's been a long road back to get where I am now. So there's is yeah, there's no difference for pressure. There's is I've got to go in there, kill or be killed. I ain't there's no other way I'm doing it. That's that's I I will die in there if I have to. I'm prepared. I'm walking that walk to take to live my destiny. If it, if that's the end of it, then that's it. I'm I'm ready for that and I'm prepared for that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's um, yeah. I, I think obviously the way you've just said it there, and being obviously having two losses before, but on the flip side, coming off Ultimate Boxer three wins in a row, then IBO International, then when you beat Fabio Wardley, English heavyweight champion, you're you'll be in very good stead to sort of crack on and get some really big fights after this. Like oh, this is a big fight in itself. But do you know what I mean? Like you've had like five, you'll be having five really good fights, picking up some titles on the way, and um, uh, and you can sort of crack on. Is is that like the? Do you, do you think you can't really think past Fabio? But do you ever think like of a situation like that? Yeah, obviously, I I know that when I beat him, it puts me in a great stead, and you know I think about, you know, this is for my future family. You know, that's how mm-hmm. I got to think, and this is. Yeah, this is. I won't be looking past this fight. Everything is about this fight because every every fight I have can potentially be my last. So this fight, I'm putting everything in it. There's no holding back. Hundred percent. And I think after this conversation and just knowing and speaking to you before this as well, and and sort of like um, getting to know how how nice of a guy you are. I was rooting for you before, but now it's like a, there's a different level of rooting for you now. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully everyone who's listening can, and that sort of shines through. Um, before we sort of finish up, can I just get your take on a few sort of divisions, a few fights that I sort of uh, am a bit interested in? Um, yeah. The lightweight division for me is quite quite uh, hot at the moment. 
yeah. I don't know if you like watch or follow some of the some of the smaller weight categories but there's like Lomachenko um is obviously just won recently again you've got Tiafomo Lopez Devin Haney Ryan Gossier all of that sort of mix um for me it's one of the the hotter divisions we've got like a lot of big big characters in there have you got one that you think is gonna sort of come out on top when everything's all said and done yeah I'll, I'll be very honest with you I I believe heavyweight boxing is a different kind of boxing. Yeah. So I don't really watch other than heavyweights. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm a fan of boxing, but yeah, I couldn't I couldn't tell you much more about the lightweights. Okay, well let's let's go on yeah. to heavyweight then. Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, obviously, unfortunately, their fight fell through. Um, mm. So in their respective fights, do you think both of them will come through? I think yeah. they both have. Uh, a big potential, you know, they're in, you know, 50-50 fights. It's, it's a it's a tough one. But I believe that they will both come through and they will give us a monster, monster fight of the division um, together. So I can't see Fury losing after he he beat uh, Wilder last time how he did. Um, I think, you know, Wilder is, maybe he is training really hard and maybe he... he he can come back and beat him, but I don't see it. I see Tyson Fury beating him again. And I see, um, yeah, Joshua being too big, too strong for Usyk. I think after sort of five rounds, I think he um, he will take him out. And if they both come through and if they do have that monster fight, Am I allowed to ask who who you think would uh, win out of them? Because uh, I've asked a few boxers and some of them don't want to really answer, just like sort of sit on the fence and things. <laughs> yeah, I, I've said in other interviews who I think. So, I, you know, I'm a fan of them both and I believe they both can definitely win. Um, but I'm just going on the last performances and, and Tyson Fury's last performance was, was, a, was a crazy one. So... I'm just going on that, and that that would be the only reason I would say Fury will win. But um, but really, I'm a fan of both, and I think they both could could win. Boxing would win if that fight happens. Boxing would win. <laughs> let's let's say that politically correct answer. <laughs> um, again, I I really appreciate your time, uh, and obviously know uh, you in training camp and things. But yeah. um, the way I like to end each podcast is with the same five questions that I sort of ask to every guest. And uh, I feel like it's a nice way to just sort of summarise uh, what we've been talking about. So um, the, the first one being, what are you most proud of? Uh, yeah, proud of how I've come back after a defeat. What are you most looking forward to? The Fabio Woodley fight. Yes. Um, what is your definition of success? Uh be happy and content in life. Um, and what's your biggest motivation? Um, my biggest motivation is to prove myself what I can do. And last but not least, because the Coachcast podcast, how has your culture uh, impacted you on your life, life so far? And when I say culture, I just sort of mean just your background like everything that we spoke about sort of at the beginning of the podcast I think just to um to always to always excel in yourself to make yourself a better person 
smashed it. Yeah, that's um, that's amazing. I, I'll I'll leave like links uh, and all of them things in the description of the podcast. And um, again, I, I really thank you for your time. Appreciate it, mate. Now it's been a pleasure. Cheers.